Warning, the podcast you are about to listen to may have adult language and discuss adult themes not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. gentlemen it is time for sunday scary with your host from the far end of the bench podcast jim Pilato. what is going on bench warmers welcome back happy sunday hopefully everybody is doing well in their fantasy leagues everybody's doing well in general getting set for yet another week uh, for us teachers, for those of you like myself who are going back to school on Monday, um, I actually get a short week, so not to brag, but I am bragging just a little bit slightly because we do have, well, I guess not necessarily any reason to brag because we do have parent-teacher conferences, but for that, we get uh, Friday off of school. So that is what I have looking forward to for this week. Thank you, everybody, very much for tuning in Sunday Scaries. This is the fifth episode. I know we were gone last week. I apologize. I didn't let anybody know about that. Um, that's going to be part of, honestly, the first topic of what we're going to get into, first couple topics of what we're going to get into on the show. Definitely wanted to get back. I know it looks like I'm not paying attention right now. I am producing on the fly, so but bear with me, if if you will. Um, sometimes we have to adapt. Sometimes our technology runs a little bit slower than others, but I'm trying to get everything rolling. While we're doing that, you can be sure to make sure you're following, subscribe to the podcast, if you're watching live on YouTube, I appreciate it. Make sure that you are subscribing as well. Tell a friend about the show. Listen to uh, our regular podcast episodes, sports podcast every Thursday with myself and my co-host, Nico Bryant. Um, and then obviously we have this show Sundays. I took this week off of the Top of the Mountain show, which I know I needed to, though. I needed to. I'm at the point now where three out of five days a week, I am running two-a-day practices. I coach flag football at the middle school that I'm teaching at. I coach with the Box State Bruins, which I'm going to give you guys an update about those two uh, because the seasons are going strong. I had to control my breath there. Didn't want to uh, suck all that wind up into the air. Um, so we are back here. Very happy to be back on Sunday afternoon. I said it was going to be a halftime show. I misjudged how long things were going to take. So if I do seem distracted now, I have the Bengals game on the TV downstairs. Thank you to uh, YouTube TV for allowing me to have the games on while I'm doing these streams now. I think it's going to be cool. I am going to talk more specifically about the uh, Bengals and the games and the way that the season has looked so far, a little bit towards the end of the show. I want to finish with that. This is more dedicated to be a teacher show. This is more dedicated to um, that kind of thing. It's not a sports show. I get my sports talk with all the other shows that I do, plus talking to Gridiron later on tonight. That's going to be live at 745. So, Darren, if you're listening, shout out for – Talking to Gridiron, we're going to have special guest Terrell Williams. Terrell Will oh, I should have just not gone with last name. Rail from Terrell from Realism Sports. I went on his show on Friday. Um, really fun time to chat about that. Talked a little bit about the gambling lines. Talked about some big time story lines. He's going to be back on tonight uh, for Talking to Gridiron over on Variety Sports Network. You'll also be able to see that on this channel. So subscribe, ring the notification bell, follow at FEOTV Pod. 
and continue to uh, support us so that we can continue bringing you guys the content that uh, we hope that you all enjoy listening to and, and watching every week. And uh, we can all continue to just be happy in peace. So again, I apologize for the impromptu break. It wasn't planned, but I was I was at the end of my wits last week. It was long. You know, I had a few days where the classes just weren't going the way that I, I wanted them to. I was stressed because we were getting into the end of our geography unit, and I was I didn't think that they were very prepared. They proved me wrong, which is awesome. That's a great feeling to have as a teacher. But I just felt like you know. Plus, I was being a good brother, and I was picking up my sister Roxy from the airport. Shout out Roxy, and um, well, they were coming back from their trip out to Michigan two weeks ago for the CSU Pueblo football team. They just took a loss in Pueblo this past weekend to Western Colorado, which I'll talk more about on Friday with Rev on top of the mountain. But it was just a busy weekend overall. My parents were going to the Bronco game. I wanted to go. I was hanging out with Raleigh. Um, so, you know, a lot of other things were going on on Sunday. And unfortunately, sometimes you kind of got to just choose what you want to be the higher priority. And not that you guys aren't all in, very important to me. But Nico and I say it quite a bit on our show. It's not like we're getting paid to do this. We do this because it's it's fun. It is a bright spot in our weeks. I love doing three shows a week. It's like I'm back in college on the radio station. Um, and I get to be the producer and kind of get to decide how things roll. So I do really much enjoy this show. It may be at some point if the the busy times of the school year, the times where I just feel like I'm I'm burnt to the to the max and I'm not going to be able to give you guys a good show. It may be a once every other week, but I'm going to be trying to go weekly. I want to get at least through till uh, we'll say Thanksgiving break. I want to go weekly Sundays. Sunday scaries will be on. But it is burnt. I mean, burnout is real. I wanted to make sure that we address that. Uh, I know that I should not be really talking about this because it's only my second year in the profession, but I've already noticed it myself. Like you need outlets. It is exhausting. All the, you go every day. I think I hear, I make about a thousand decisions, give or take. More, more likely you can bet the over on the amount of decisions that I have to make throughout the day. I hear my name probably 50 to 60 times per period, whether it's a good question, a bad question. Can I go to the bathroom? What's this? What are we doing? I wasn't listening, didn't pay attention. It is such a mentally exhausting thing. Plus, you have to be a role model. I, you have to focus, make sure that you're filtering yourself. You're not saying something that you shouldn't be. You're not doing things that are hampering. You know, you do want to make this a good experience. Like school should be a positive experience. If nothing else, some of these kids need it to be their only positive experience throughout the day. So there's all of those things that you have to keep in mind. It's just a lot. And and that's why I think a lot of teachers, even as much as they do love, because teaching is the easy part. Going through in the classroom, even though you never really know what to expect, that is the easier part of the job. It's not having to, um, it, that's not the draining part. The draining part is when you put in all of this time, you put in all of this effort, and you really do your best to try and make everything run as smoothly as possible, yet it just, it, it doesn't end up working out Um and on those days, that's where it's hard. You have to kind of keep in perspective. Nobody's going to be perfect on every every single day of class. Not everything is always going to get to what you think it should. They're not always going to be as engaged on things that you may think you worked hard on. And that's not supposed to be, it shouldn't be what drives a lot of people out of the profession, unfortunately, like it is. We need to make sure we take breaks. We need to make sure that you're not working yourself to the point where it's no fun. Lesson planning even though it's work, even though you have to put it all down on paper and, and hope that it's all going to go off without a hitch, it should be a fun experience because it's what you chose to do. All of us, every, that's the saying when you get into education, isn't it? It's not about, not in it for the outcome, not the income. 
I'm in it to make a positive impact on these people's lives. I'm not in it to make a whole bunch of money because I know that's just not going to happen. It's not the way that things work. It's not the priority that we have in today's society. Um, certain places are starting to experiment with higher wages and they're starting to see a lot of very good benefits. So we'll see if stuff like that changes. But for now, I have it scrolling across the bottom of the screen, meantime, whatever that means to you. I don't know, like sometimes it's me sitting in the truck and I, Dom and I, it's good to coach with him and he's also teaching now. So we kind of get to go back and forth and talk about our days and, and kind of compare stories. But some days it's just, we're sitting in the car and I don't have to worry about the filter on my mouth. And it is, I get, I get a little bit of a potty mouth after school. Cause I just have to, it's like, I've been watching Coco Melon all day, listening to kids, Bob. I just want some, I, I need a little bit of just the realism of life. I need to speak the way that I normally like to speak. And I don't want to have to control what I'm saying. So some days it's that some days it was playing video games that were a little bit more on the violent side, not because I had any of those feelings, but it was just like, you know, a little bit of a mental catharsis. I turned my brain off. I was playing games, running around, doing all that crazy stuff. And I was able to do that. And, and it did blow off some steam. So whatever you find that blows off steam for you, that keeps you in the game, that keeps you ready and enjoying and willing to come back to the next day in the classroom. I think that's what we should be focusing on more so than, you know, making sure that your lessons are always hundred percent that everybody's going to enjoy everything that you do. That's just not how things go. <clears throat> Speaking of keeping things on track, that's right. Professional segue. I've done this for quite some time. We are now six weeks down in the school year. We only have 33 weeks of the school year. We've already gone through six. We just finished up our first unit at, at for my class specifically. I'm only talking about my classroom. I know that some schools came back a little bit, after us, I don't think anybody in Colorado went back before Douglas County did, but it's been six weeks, month and a half, basically. And we now are, you know, we're inching up. We're at parent teacher conferences. I'm going to talk about those uh, just here in a second. And we're a month away, I think, from first quarter being over. And they're going to get their first report cards as middle school students. Some kids are going to be very excited about that experience. Some kids are going to be not so excited about that experience, at least from where we're sitting right now, which is to be expected. Like this is in Douglas County, this is their first year in middle school. And I don't know if people can put themselves back into their 12 year old, 11, 12 year old brain. I was lucky. I feel like I was lucky. I got my first year of middle school as a sixth grader. And the, you know, it's not as hard of classes to pick up at the school I was going to. I think the hardest thing that I was trying to learn in sixth grade was Latin because I was a part of the English curriculum. But other than that, like it wasn't super difficult. I was able to kind of get into a rhythm. I had a trapper keeper. I had a folder. I had a morning folder. I had an afternoon folder. We had lockers. That's another benefit I feel like I had over my students. But it was that first sixth grade year that I was able to kind of get into a rhythm. Then seventh grade, when things started to get harder, it wasn't that much of an adjustment. I didn't have to find, you know, remember where, how to get to class, remember how to put my locker combination in. I'd already had a year of training with that. So I, I think that's already a, a detriment that my kids start off with having seventh grade be the first year of middle school. I have some kids, I think it's based on the elementary school that they went to. Uh, teaching is a lot like parenting. I'm not gonna comment on anybody else's teaching style, but some of these schools, especially at the elementary school level and when sixth grade is a part of elementary school, it suffers. They're just basically getting a grade for being a quote productive student, which means if you don't bother the teacher, if the teacher doesn't have to kick you out of class or move you around the room, you're going to be getting an A, whether you're prepared to move on to the next level of schooling or not. 
Uh, I can't tell you the amount of kids that I have that are just scrawling right now. I have no no clue what they're writing on their papers. I'm just hoping that it is somewhat correct. I, I can kind of decipher codes now a little bit better, but it's it's difficult and it's it's a skill that wasn't obviously wasn't practiced as much as it probably needed to be at that point in their uh, education career. But right now, I think you know for the most part in the classroom, other than a couple of my classes that you would expect last of the day, one right after lunch. They're a little bit more docile. They're a little bit easier to deal with inside the classroom. There's not as many personal issues that are going on. But I would say this year, and I think I've mentioned it on this show before, my kids this year, although they're not struggling in the classroom, they have so much more that they're dealing with at home, which honestly, in the little bit of experience in the six weeks that I've been dealing with them, I would rather have to be a total Nazi in the classroom to try and keep them under control and instead of worrying about what's going to happen when they're out of my sight and when they're out of my control and when they're at home with, you know, no supervision, some of them. And that's not always by design. It's not always a terrible situation. Sometimes that's all that they have available to them. But it is, you know, <clears throat> I have a few kids and I'm, I'm very nervous or I'm nervous about how they got to the point where they're at because some of them are pathological liars and the only way that i can justify that for an 11 or 12 year old is that that's how they get their attention at home is that they have to make up crazy exuberant stories otherwise they just get zero attention and that's great but when i'm here for your benefit as a teacher i'm here to make sure that you have a good day and you don't come to me for help because you don't think that adults are there to help you it's really heartbreaking and that's that goes into what we were talking about initially with the need for time off. It's mentally draining. That's been the hardest part of the school year. And I think that's why, even though it's so early into the year, I already had to take a couple of days. I had to take a week off of this show because I've been such, it's a, it's hard because you don't want to, you can't, you don't want to call them out about stuff. You don't want to embarrass them about their situation. Sometimes they might not even understand that their situation's all that different. Um, but I, I know as, as just personal experience, we've dealt with a lot as we were going through school. So I can probably help these kids out. It's just that matter of making sure that they feel safe enough with you. And sometimes you're overcoming a lot of damage that's already been done. When, when kids go five years of being taught how to be a normal person while just being at home and they're thrust into school, if they are starting off at, let's say, starting off in the dugout instead of starting off with, at a triple, like uh, I would say I was. I started off, I, I, I did not realize how much of a benefit it was going to be to have a loving family relationship where I have two parents that they may have fought sometimes, they may have had certain times where things were a little bit more contentious, but they were always on the same page. My mom and dad were always working together and it was centered around my four siblings, my three siblings and I, the four of us, doing what we needed to do to be successful in our, our sports, to be successful in our schooling, to just be good people, respectful people overall in our lives. That was such a benefit. We definitely started on third. We started hitting a triple. And I think that the four of us, now that we're all high school graduates, my youngest brother now, the only one yet to complete his bachelor's degree, but he's well on his way. He's on an academic scholarship. So he's, he's not even having to dance around some of the loan stuff that the rest of us are, are starting to touch. Like we've, we've all done a really good job with our, our triple that we started off with. Maybe you could say a double because, you know, there were certain parts where we weren't, 
you know, we were living in other people's houses. We were trying to find our own place at the time, but certain things worked out in certain ways. And we, we struggled for a little bit. And I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying that they have to be like me in those situations, but if they would just understand that I had days where I was not thinking about school 110%, but I was still able to get through my day and be successful and, and make sure that my grades were not something that was going to be weighing me down. And I was going to be thinking about, I just, I hope at some point these kids start to trust me in that way. And I think right now with the flag football coaching, I really enjoy that because I get to see the other kids that I don't normally have in class, but I also get to see the kids that I have in class doing something that they like. Um, and I actually, yesterday I went to a tackle football game during the afternoon. So the box state game was at five o'clock. This one was at one o'clock. I had a couple of my students on one of the Raptors teams and a couple of the other kids that I recognize, they go to the school, but they're not, they're on the other team at the school. But I, I love that. And and I get a lot of compliments. Like, I can't believe you do that with when you don't even, you know, you don't have a kid on the team and, and it's not like you have to, but it's fun. Like you get to see these kids doing something that they're not dreading. A lot of kids are forced to go to school. A lot of kids are forced to be good students and, and have a good time at school. This is something that they chose to do. This is something that they work hard at. And it was awesome. I, my kids had good games. Unfortunately, the team fell short. So they, they weren't as they were excited to see me at the game. They were excited to know that I was coming. I told them on Friday that I would be there, uh, but they were a little bit more down. Which happens. And I, I totally understand. I'm not mad at, at anything like that. I'm good. I'm glad I got to see them play. Hopefully I'll be able to make it out. There's one other team in my class this year, um, but that would be two years in a row that I've gone to all of my athletes games outside of school. I have a couple of baseball players. So in the spring, I'll probably be going to baseball games or trying to go to baseball games around wrestling. Um, but no, right now, six weeks in, I'm enjoying it. I really enjoy the kids. We have a lot of really cool personalities on, on the team. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I think I was also talking about the added element. This year, I have special education kids in my class with the general education kids. And I was nervous about that because you know, sometimes kids haven't been exposed to that and it's a little bit detrimental. I didn't want them to alienate the kids in the SSN room, but I also don't want to alienate the typical kids with some of those situations that may they may be subjected to with, with extra added elements into the room. Uh, but I will, I, I'll give a shout out to my seventh hour class. And it's funny because they're using my research skills and a couple of them have told me that they've listened to certain episodes of this podcast, which is a great, great way for me to make sure that I'm always on my P's and Q's and I don't do anything that I shouldn't be. I have the warning at the beginning to make sure that everybody understands that this is not something that I promote my kids listening to, but they have been able to start finding it. My seventh hour class deserves a big amount of credit because that is a very diverse room. They have regular level kids, kids that are typical, not out in the SPED program, but maybe struggle a little bit more, have different things going on. I have effective needs in the room, which is severe emotional trauma at the home. Um, I have special, severe special needs kids that have a plethora of different things that we have to try and, and work through while, while going through school. And that's my seventh hour class, as much as we've maybe butted heads or, or they're a little bit loud and it's, I feel like I should be wearing stripes during seventh hour most days. They are doing their best to try and learn. I, I'm very proud of the way that their tests turned out. And uh, I'm proud of the way that they step up and, and they treat that whole culture and community like it, like they all are working together, which is what I 
strive to do at the beginning of the year. I want them to have a community. Um, and they're super excited to get new seats, at least a majority of them, because they want to sit next to different people in the room. Um, and they don't want to be stuck in the same spot. So shout out to my seventh hour. And that brings me to conferences. And this is going to be where um, things get a little bit different. We're, we're, we do virtual conferences still at my school after COVID. We haven't gone back to in-person. Um, and I think there's good and bad about both. I think that it's good because it, maybe it allows for more parents to be able to get that conversation one-on-one -on -one with the teacher. Um, but it is still, you see the same things that when, when parents were coming in person, they go to specific classes. So most of the time, social studies, science, health, uh, the elective classes, unless the parent is super involved or there's already been an issue directly with that class, most of the time those ones are skipped over because math and English are the two that you have to make sure you're, you're on track with because if you're not on track right now, you're just gonna continue to fall further and further behind. And it's not like anybody's gonna get slowed down going through the school system. Um, so I, I would, I wish I would have a few more parents sign up than I did. I wish I'd have a couple different parents sign up. I have a lot of really pleasant conversations coming my way with these parent teacher conferences coming up on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, gets me, not that I'm looking for an excuse, but it does relieve me of two nights of flag football practice because I had my conferences scheduled during that time. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think that there's, it's going to be a, a mostly pleasant night. I do have one where when the parents show up and they're going to be like, well, what's going on? It's going to be a difficult conversation. And if the student's there, it's not like I don't, I'm not nervous about what I have to say. I can back up everything that I have to say about what the student's done so far in class. And it, it hasn't been much. And he's not, he's behind. He's not being able to keep up with me and he's not stopping me. And the unfortunate thing is, is since I have 140 students that I'm all at the end of the day, I'm trying to show them that they've grown. I'm trying to show the state that in my class, they've learned enough to grow as human beings and grow as learners and thinkers that if I have one kid that's not catching up, not keeping up with us, and he's not stopping me specifically, it's not like I can just spend a whole bunch of time on that one student. And it's not just my class. He's struggling in everything. He has tons of missing work and he's starting to come up on the deadline of being able to get that work turned in. So that's one conversation that I think I'm a little bit leery to have. I have another one. So with the virtual conferences, we have a link that gets sent out, sent out when we schedule Google Meets because our, our school runs basically everything off of, even though it's not a Gmail email address, um, our school district runs everything through Gmail. So it's through our Google calendars. They use the link, they get it set up um, and, and get things rolling that way. So my link had something going on with it. I worked on it, I troubleshooted, I got it fixed. I sent an email back to a couple of parents that I'd gotten external emails outside of the link to um, and they're both kids and I'm like, well, I'm glad you're signing up. I'm glad I get to meet you because I want to be able to tell you how awesome your student is in person, or at least face-to-face -face through a video chat. And I sent an email and this is the response I got. So I'm not going to, I'm keeping the name off of this, but this is the, the direct response. And I cut out a, a couple parts, but quote, as far as conferences, I'm not sure if you are a how I met your mother fan, but there's a saying on the show, where's the poop Robin? Funny enough, I am a How I Met Your Mother fan. The student isn't because I asked him on Fridays, like, where's the poop? And he didn't get it. But I know exactly what she's meaning. It's like when you're trying to hide something, one of the characters says, where's the poop? There is no poop. I, I was very clear in my email. I said that your student has been respectful, has always listened to instructions, 
He's killing all of my assignments. He understands. He's showing me on his test that shows me that everything so far is going the correct way. There's no issue. So that's what she started her email off with. We have always strived to raise good young men. I think that you're doing that. I've always hated the saying, boys will be boys. I don't think that your boys exemplify that saying in the slightest, but Gillette is probably your favorite razor brand, if that's what you're, you feel compelled to email me as a teacher. As his parent, I know he struggles, and I would like to know what they are. Your guess is as good as mine. I think I'm going to meet with this student before a conference and come up. Like, what should I tell your mom is your weakness? What do you think is your weakness? And maybe we can maybe address that as a group. I know he struggles and I would like to know what they are. We would really like to know in what ways he can improve because I know he is far from perfect. He's not that far from perfect. He is pretty much an angel. He's an A student. He has A's in both grade books. I don't think he has less than a B in any of his classes. And as a first year middle school student in seventh grade, being able to handle everything else on top of it, he's ran, he ran cross, cross country. He's playing flag football this season. He's awesome. He's the exact student that I used to be. I don't know why there has to be an issue. And as a parent, if you have so much stress push, put on your kid, I'm starting to see maybe where the detriment is going to be. And maybe it is something that I address. But I think that he has he's going to have so much external pressure put on him that he's going to hate using his talents in school. He's he's so good. Not everything has to be a dire consequence. Uh, I sent the same email to another parent telling them how great their student was because it, it was in a different class, but they also emailed me externally trying to figure out how to set up a conference. I was like, your, your daughter's awesome. She, and then I got a response that I was expecting, you know, yes, we got very lucky. She's always been great. And she seems to be adjusting to your teaching style. She really enjoys your class. So I'm looking forward to meeting you. I was like, that's, that's a normal response. When you know your student isn't doing anything detrimental, I've, I thought I was emailing the wrong person or talking about the wrong student. And I double checked. I was like, nope, uh, you are talking about one of my angels as a possible negative force in the world. And I could never see a, a single instance where that would be the case. Um, so that's one thing that I'm interested in. I guess I don't worry about conferences. That's the good part about my background coming into teaching. I made collection calls for a year for a, a telecom company. So I was shutting people's phone services off. I don't worry about getting yelled at because I've been called every single name in the book. And uh, so I don't think that's going to be happening, but I am going to try and stand up and make sure that this, my, my students shouldn't be getting crap from home if, if they don't deserve it. If they're doing something in class, yes, we'll have that conversation. If there was some kind of issue or something that went wrong that I could tell you your student did, and we could figure out how to fix it. I, that's what I'm going to be talking about. I think I have maybe one other conference that's going to be mainly a behavioral chat. Like, how are we going to get you to be successful in doing the right things? Um, but that's not going to be one of them. Flag football update plus box, box state. This is basically my coaching update. Um, we've started our flag football season last Monday is when we had our first quote practice. We were trying to get teams assembled, assess skill level, are we 100% accurate at that? Probably not, but I feel like between myself and the other coach who uh, he also, he's our AD at this middle school, so he runs all of the sports. He's also a lacrosse coach up at the high school. I coach wrestling up at the high school. I coach football. He's coached for years in the, in the past. We have a pretty good idea of what's going to be good, who's going to be able to be successful, and who's not going to be. So we have a pretty good feel. If we put you on a certain level of team, that's probably where you should be. And that's probably where you're going to get the best experience for the season. 
I coach the A and B level teams. A team is the only one that will go on to play in the playoffs if we are so lucky to get there. We have our first game coming up on Monday, and we've literally only had two days of practice where they've known what level they're at, and I just split them into teams on Friday, and we had a little inter-squad scrimmage against our eighth-grade team. A lot of the kids that I coached last year, it didn't go great. Um, my kids were nervous, it, it, and they're going to be nervous on Monday too. Unfortunately, since it's flag football season, the school district doesn't believe that we need an extra week of practice, and there's a couple schools in our district that have middle, middle school starting in sixth grade, so they have kids that know all of their plays. They've been practicing like a school Cimarron is going to come in. They're all going to have wristbands. They're going to just be able to say banana, banana on the sidelines. Everybody's going to read their play. And they have 10 different route combinations, run running plays, motions. And my kids barely have any kind of defense a set. I've tried to explain to them what a cover three defense is, and I've drawn it for them. But I don't have a lot of kids that have played football in the past for that. So my flag football team as long as they play hard on Monday and we have another game Wednesday. So Monday is going to be ranch view team that we lost to by, I think a touchdown in the regular season to start the year last year at the a level, we lost to them in the playoffs by uh, a late pick six. We were leading pretty much the entire rest of the game. They had a pick six and ended up um, getting the win out on us and moving on in the uh, playoffs that year. But that is who our first game is. And then second game is against Cimarron. As long as they show me that their effort is there, it may be ugly. I had to address that last year. I had a quarterback throw five interceptions, and then I was like, please, please, please don't throw another another interception. I didn't have another quarterback to put out there, so it's not like he was going to get pulled. But I just said before, like, please don't throw another interception, and he threw his sixth one, and he was in tears. And I was like, you know, I, I talked to them at the end of that game. We've had – however many days to practice we've had however many days just as a team as a group in general they've had this much time as long as we can put ourselves back together as long as we don't let this get us down to the point where we totally tank for the rest of the year i'm trying to i'm going to do everything i can to make us better in the future i'm going to try and put us in the situations that we will be able to compete with these teams and we're not going to get embarrassed if if that so happens anymore and my teams last year were able to kind of put it back. And we did end up, you know, our in-district rival, in-Castle Rock rival against Mesa last year. I think we scored 96 and 67 points between the A and B games. So they can get to a certain point, and we will get better. But we are starting way behind the eight ball for my flag team. And then the box State team, now that we don't play, we are not playing teams that are, are willing to pull down eighth graders that are going to be 15 by the end of the school year to play against our 10- and 11-year-olds. Got back on the winning track. We're technically 4-0. We had the forfeit week one, the bogus game in week two that they ended up giving us a win for. And then last week we beat Riverdale, the Riverdale Ravens, 31-0. Boys looked good after they kind of got over their nerves initially. It was their first game all season, so you have to expect a couple miscues, which they had, but they were able to overcome. And then yesterday we just came off a 45 nothing shutout, two shutouts in a row, have not given up. We've been threatened, I think, two times. There's two big kick returns that we gave up where the offenses were almost able to score. And I think we had one time yesterday where a receiver got past our safety and they almost got in the end zone that way, but back-to-back -back shutouts and in pop Warner, when you get up by 42, they just canceled the game. So we canceled the game before the actual clock had run out. We had the running, running clock mercy rule um, by second half. The entire second half was in a running clock situation against the DC defenders. They look great. I am a little bit nervous and it's similar to what I'm going to finish up talking about 
Uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about the CU CSU game, and then I guess I'll address what I'm I'm currently watching with the Bengals and, and Ravens. Looks like the Bengals are going to start 0 and 2 in the AFC and 0 and 2 in the AFC North to start this year. So we don't want to host the AFC Championship game, but they just my the Box State team. We're so we've been so dominant that it's nerve wracking. We think that we can start off slow. We think that everybody is just going to lay down and roll over for us that I worry about when we get to the playoffs and we might have another situation where they're playing kids that probably are on their roster, probably don't meet the age requirements, but we're still going to have to be able to put things together. And, and if we can start fast, that's a huge step forward in those games that I've played in the past where we knew we were overmatched. We started off fast. I think back to my senior season, we were the first time in Western Colorado since 2001 that we won in Grand Junction. It was the last second field goal. That was one of the most cathartic experiences I think I've ever been a part of. But that started at the beginning of the game. We came out fast. We were slugging it out. We showed them that this wasn't going to be no push around game. We're not worried about not having one in 20 years. We're going to win this year. That's what I think this team for the box state is maybe missing at this point. And I'm hoping that Dom and I and, and the coaching staff can get it through their heads. The only times that they ever really get tested are when we go out of state. And I don't like that. I want them to be tested before. I want them to know going into the playoffs, you're going to have to put something together. It's not going to be, let's just run out there and, and see what happens. <laughs> Almost done. We got two more topics. I'm going to finish up with the Bengals as it's 402 left in the fourth quarter and, and we're down 10. Um, Burrow looked better, but Still not a great performance. Last night, Saturday night, if you're listening to the replay of the show and you're not listening live, <clears throat> Colorado, Colorado State, Rocky Mountain Showdown. 8 p.m. start time. It was the ESPN game. It was basically the only thing going on. Uh, college game day and Big Noon kickoff were both in Boulder. It was Big Noon's second week in a row being in Boulder, but there was no other ranked matchup, so it made sense. And even though we're going to talk about this, this is a disappointing win for CU because a lot of people they were favored by 24 points and they win 43 35 in double overtime against Colorado State who's coming off of getting absolutely thumped in week one and a bye week so you can say they were rested they had a little bit more time to prepare CU's been playing every single week so you have that built in but CU was expected and I think I said it on the far end of the bench if they blow out and I heard it from other other voices in the community like a Joel Klatt if CU were to blow out CSU last last night, they are probably looking at a top 15 ranking and a warranted top 15 ranking because that would mean they blew out Colorado State, they beat Nebraska going away in a game that they didn't really actually play that all that great in, and TCU, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, that was just the opening week. That was like their coming out party to everybody, showing that they are that good. They are just that damn good. So we have all of those things going on that gives CU a very credible, probably top 15 ranking. The way that game went last night, A, the Rocky Mountain Showdown means a whole hell of a lot more to CSU than it does to CU. Not just because the Sanders regime is new and, and doesn't understand the rivalry. That's how it's always been. CSU plays CU like their hair is on fire. And they did that too much last night. If CSU is able to keep their composure, if you don't have the dirty hit on Travis Hunter that was a total blatant penalty and unfortunately had – Travis Hunter, who's one of the more dynamic players in the country, who's had 160 snaps in, in both games, so he's already over 300 snaps in weeks one and two. 
he was taken out of the game in the third quarter, evaluated at the hospital for a blatant cheap shot that shouldn't have happened. CSU had eight personal foul penalties in the first half, plus I think another four in the second half. Those things don't happen. If they can play with some kind of composure at all, CSU is walking away from this with a huge upset victory, and they're looking at a one-on-one record and saying they have the bragging rights that they beat CU. What was lost in the buildup to this game was that CSU under Jay Norvell the last two seasons has been a very tough team. Week one against Washington State, we were all surprised by because we weren't expecting them to look like garbage. They've normally played decent, and and Norvell normally gets them going in good directions early on in the season. That hadn't been the case. I didn't expect them to be as emotional as they were. Um, I thought, if nothing else, CU was going to be the more emotional team. But no, CSU came out, and they played the way that they needed to. They were attacking. They were getting after Shadir in the first half. In the second half, he kind of settled down and showed you why he is the leader and why he got this starting quarterback job in at CU in the Pac-12 in a Power 5 conference. But it was not one of those. You're, it's definitely a humble pie experience because you can't sit there as a Colorado Buffaloes fan or as a Dion fan, as a Coach Prime fan, and say that you're 100% satisfied with the way things ended last night. That was close. That was so close. That's way closer than you wanted it to be. And that just can't happen if if you're going to be the team that everybody is – calling you right now. And and this is where I think we were all, you know, the early success sometimes is good. Sometimes is bad because everybody's expecting all of this from you now that they've seen it early on. And it's probably a year too early. Their lines on both offense and defense struggle. CSU dominated physically up front outside of three really good plays on defense by Shiloh Sanders, the pick six, the fumble that he forced, and he had a couple other really big tackles. He tackles way better than his dad does. Um, he might not dance as well as he does when he gets to the end zone. But Sh- Shiloh kept them in that game. Shadur had a couple really awesome plays, a 98-yard drive to uh, get the game into overtime, get the two-point conversion. And then in double overtime, you score and get the two-point conversion, and you stop CSU. So maybe it was just a whacked-out rivalry game that, you know, games that start after 8 o'clock very rarely go in a normal direction. So I think you can maybe say that, but I think if you're being honest with yourself in Boulder, you you know that Coach Prime is doing good things, and you know that this team will never back down from a fight. I think you saw a lot of resilience from both sides because CSU could have came out and listened to everybody and got absolutely kicked all over the field, and we would be talking about how great Dion is and how high the Buffalo should be moving. I honestly don't know if there should be any movement at this point. There's no other ranked matchups that took place. Um if they come back next week and they give Oregon the fight that I think a lot of people were expecting before the CSU matchup happened. Now I think there's maybe a little bit more of those, those doubters who think that Oregon is going to be able to take on CU and, and knock them out of the stadium and do what they probably were expected to do at the beginning of the season. If CU can come out and fight against Oregon, then I'm okay with what what's going on. But I think that's the big, if that's what Dion has to tell his team, like you cannot be satisfied. You can get your theme music for the game because it was a great win. You won a rivalry game. You're 3-0. You cannot be faulted for being undefeated at this point in the season. But it did not give me much confidence watching the way that CSU Rams bullied CU. And now you have to go and start your Pac-12 schedule where you got Oregon, you got USC, you got UCLA, you got Utah towards the end of the year. All of these teams are going to be looking at what CSU did and saying, if we play physical, if we get after CU, they are not going to be able to hang with us because we're not going to be committing 15 personal foul penalties. We're not going to give CU every chance possible. 
the way that CSU did. But it was a great game. And I uh, last thing that I wanted to end with this segment on, as a native Coloradan, the fact that the spotlight was on Boulder, Colorado, the fact that both schools had commercials going on the only game on ESPN, um, you cannot look at what's been happening with Colorado college football. The way Air Force has always been successful, CSU is getting back there with Norvell, and now CU seems to have turned things around under Coach Prime. It was a very proud moment to be a native Coloradan. And even though I don't necessarily root for actively root for both schools, I am a diehard fan of Colorado football. And as a coach in the area, that was a showcase. You had a lot of guys from Colorado making big impacts. And then you had a lot of guys that aren't from Colorado playing like this was the, the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. That's what Colorado State was playing like this was. And that was awesome to see. I, I thought that it was a proud moment to be a Colorado, per, somebody from Colorado. Are we going to get Jackson or is he going to dance around us for another first down? He's dancing around us for another first down. Let's talk about the Bengals season, shall we? You'll get a little bit more of this on Talking to Gridiron tonight with, with Darren and Terrell. Um, but the Bengals right now are not in a good spot. It, it's the nicest way that I can put it, and I'm trying not to overreact because Nico thought that I was overreacting last week. I don't think this is an overreaction anymore. The offense – even though you're able to score in the second half. This prolific of an offense, you have three, quote, number one wide receivers. You have Joe Burrow, who the, the past two seasons, outside of these two games, has been immaculate, and he's the highest-paid player in the NFL, highest-paid quarterback ever in NFL history. Um, this is not the team that we were promised. They had six quarters of football before they scored their first offensive touchdown. The defense didn't let the offense touch the ball until seven minutes left in the first quarter. The Ravens did everything that they wanted to the Bengals today, just like the Browns last week. Outside of not having the defensive performance, like there's no weather, so I think that's part of the reason why uh, the Bengals' offense is, is not looking as bad as they did last week. But the Bengals are playing undisciplined football. I think the ram, the referees are calling, making – BS calls that that's been not just me. That's Matt Ryan. That's Tiki Barber on the broadcast. The defense, once they settled down where it was okay. And you see Logan Wilson, he is the leader of your defense. You're, you're very lucky to have him and Pratt back in the defensive backfield. And he's all over the field, making plays recovered a fumble, uh, making good moves and pass coverage, but just everywhere else outside of the, the one shout out that I'm going to give to Charlie Jones for the punt return. It was lucky to be 13-10 at halftime. It's lucky right now that it's 27-24 because Baltimore had a chance to put even more on us. Uh, it was a terrible, awful showing that you're probably going to end up losing because now they're at the two-minute warning. The Bengals have no more timeouts, so unless they get a turnover here, the Ravens are probably going to just run the ball and, and kill the clock. It was a bad showing on A.J. Green Day where he was the ruler of the jungle. He just retired as a Bengal. Um, and now not this upcoming weekend, but the following week on Monday night, they're going to be putting Boomer Esiason into the ring of fame at the stadium. And hopefully we're not talking about avoiding an 0-4 start like we have for the past two seasons. I know that I have the ability to say that this team is going to be able to turn it around, but just the, the struggles on offense, defense, penalty-wise, Zach Taylor seems frustrated and Arumo's not shutting people down in the second half. It's actually getting worse in the second half for the defense. And Callahan can't figure out how to use all his toys. He's, he's got too many weapons. There's only one ball. Um, 
and I don't know why the, the Bengals were running the ball good today. Mixon was was tearing it up for whenever he would get the ball, and Callahan would not would throw in Travion Williams or just stop running the ball, and they wanted to throw the screens to their receivers. Like at some point, you got to do what's going to work. At some point, you got to make it up in your mind that you're not going to start 0-4 and, and have to claw your way into the three seed in the AFC and then complain, bitch and complain, when you have to go on the road in the playoffs and, and play against all these other really good teams. Like that's that's where I'm at with this Bengals season right now. You're in this spot because you put yourselves there. Let's make no mistake about that. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You guys put yourselves in this situation. You're going to have to get out of it, and you're going to probably – like right now, I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be making themselves better going into the offseason because you're losing pieces. I think T is gone. And now after these first couple of weeks, he had a way better game today, but zero catches in the first quarter. If you're not going to produce, maybe I don't want you here. Maybe I don't want to find a way to make to pay you. Um, but obviously, that's there's a lot of frustration. It's not been good. It's going to continue to not be good. Hopefully, if we get a stop, that would be awesome. Um, second and nine right now, Lamar handoff wide open hole running through tacklers. Dax Hill stops him after a nine yard gain. And the clock is going to start running and we're not going to see that thing stop for another two minutes. I think the Ravens are about to run this thing out. So the Bengals are going to start season. zero and two be sure to tune in to variety sports network, YouTube channel. Also on this YouTube channel tonight, myself, Darren Terrell, Brian Johnson, the main man, Ryan Johnson going to be talking about all the NFL football action that we saw today. Um, I'll give more thoughts on the Bengals Ravens game and, and where the Bengals season goes from here. But thank you guys very much for tuning in episode five of the Sunday scaries podcast. I know that last week you missed me. I'm glad that I was able to be back. We talked a lot about some good school topics this week. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to get that done and, and we were able to have that time together. Hopefully if you're a teacher, don't get yourself burned out. Take that time for yourself. You know what you need to do. Make sure that you keep yourself on the up and up. And uh, everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. Get ready to have a great week. We'll be back on Thursday for more Far Into the Bench podcast. And then uh, Friday, top of the mountain with myself and Rev talking D2 football. We have Western to talk about, upset of CSU Pueblo on the road in Pueblo, plus uh, everything else to catch up on now that we took a week off. So thank you guys very much. Sunday Scaries, Jimmy Pilato. Follow at FEOTV pod on all social medias. Tell a friend to check out the podcast. I appreciate you guys much more than you will ever know. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I will see you tonight for Talking the Gridiron and then back on Thursday for more Far End of the Bay.